also I'm here to introduce Gary. It's so great to have Gary with us this morning. And um, I love Gary's preaching and I believe it has a prophetic edge and part of the prophetic is about the right word at the right time, the right word in the right season. So I encourage you to, um, you're allowed to go quiet in the chat um, unless you want to put an amen or a, I agree. Um, but otherwise, let's focus on God's word this morning because I believe that God has a word for us through Gary this morning. So let me pray. Lord God, we thank you that you're a God who keeps speaking. You love us too much um, to stop speaking, even sometimes when we're not listening. But Lord, this morning, help us to listen. Help us to tune our hearts in and open our minds to your word and your spirit as Gary brings the message, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. And could I say once again that uh, I don't take it lightly that Andrew and Melissa surrender their platform to such a weirdo <coughs> occasionally. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was good this morning too to hear that prayer from Naomi, uh, that scripture from Naomi, when she talked about the faithfulness of God. I want to focus on that again today too. Let me read to you from uh, the scriptures from Genesis and also from Habakkuk, which I think Jess used a couple of weeks ago too. Someone did. Anyway, Genesis 6, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Sounds grim. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart and the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing. Even the birds of the sky, I am sorry I ever made them. And then there's a big but. It says, but Noah found favour with the Lord. One faithful person. And from Habakkuk 3.17, very timely word for the stuff we're going through. Though the fig tree does not blossom nor fruit beyond the vine, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. Easy to read, easy to say. A bit of a challenge to actually do that. But scripture is our guideline, not just how we feel. <clears throat> and I want to ask the question today, how can we maintain an attitude of gratitude. I mean, some people come across with an attitude with a capital A, which is usually inferring it's a bad attitude. But an attitude of gratitude is so healing and so refreshing and so important, particularly today. This attitude of gratitude is something which has been very evident amongst a lot of the athletes at the Tokyo Olympic Games. Would you agree? Perhaps like never before. From skateboarders, woohoo, skateboarders at the Olympics, to high jumpers, weightlifters, swimmers, runners, so many great examples of participants who are being so supportive of each other and expressing how grateful they were in being able to be there. There was such a positive, if I could use a, an old Aussie slang word, a positive vibe. But apart from that wonderful, inspiring season, thanks, mate, of watching good competition between so many countries, there's no doubt that life has thrown us all a few curveballs recently, apart from the obvious 
COVID pandemic. There are the very distressing images being received through our TV screen from Afghanistan. Here's a couple of shots which you've probably seen a number of times. Powerful, gut-wrenching, horrific and saddening. Thanks. So I'm asking this. How can we still keep this attitude of gratitude when we see people who basically are our brothers and sisters? They bleed the same colour blood we do. So desperate that they are willing to cling to the outside of a US Forces C-17 transporter, hoping like hell that they can escape the Taliban and start a better life. It is so, so tragic. I couldn't help but think of the moment when after many years of hard work, the door into the ark which Noah had built was closed by God. Genesis 7.16 tells that the family of Noah began their lockdown there. It says, and the door was shut. Nobody else got in. Seeing that distressing footage on TV, it's not hard to imagine people who had been laughing at Noah's project for years, that weirdo down the street, now suddenly panicking, banging on the door as the waters around them continued to rise without stopping. A tragedy that could have been avoided, but the Genesis account tells us that it was only Noah who found favour in the eyes of the Lord. So how many lockdowns have you lived through? April 2020, there was a lockdown. July 2020, there was a lockdown. And June 2021 was the start of our current lockdown. It was not the first time that people have been in lockdown or lockout. Some of our grandparents, if you have English ancestry, lived in lockdown in London during the Blitzkrieg. It's a time when the demonic passion of Adolf Hitler was unleashed in a lightning war, which is what Blitzkrieg means in German, on the motherland. Any lockdown can be an extremely difficult time for so many people, especially when there is uncertainty around what the future may or may not hold. The first lockout happened when Adam and Eve did the wrong thing in ignoring the fine print or the not-so-fine print in God's promise to them. They were locked out. The first lockdown recorded was the one which I want to refer to today in Genesis chapter 8. Some don't accept the story as factual. Many do. But either way, this story is about the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness and patience of one man and his loyal family. So Noah was asked to build an ark and to take his family and shut the door and stay in there. And uh, as Melissa reminded us last week, quoting Francis Chan, our life as followers of Jesus, our life as believers in God is not just about hearing but doing what God asks. So Noah and his wife, Naama, could have sat down and said, wow, what a great word from God. That's awesome. But no, Noah summoned his three boys and said, boys, hey now, you'd better listen to me, every one of you. We've got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do. Forget about your women and that water can. 
From now you're working for the man. Whoa, 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 says Andrew in the background here. But then when the project was finished, the relationship challenge was cranked up a notch. Noah and his family were in lockdown for probably around a year. Now, how would you like to be in a confined space? Now, listen, think about this. How would you like to be in a confined space with your mum and dad, your siblings and their partners, not just for a couple of weeks or months, but for a year? Man, what a challenge. Maybe you could call it survivor. I don't know. I can't imagine how that must have been for Noah and his family. Confined space, representatives of the local wildlife present. No technology, no Glen 20 spray. The smell from the bottom of that ark, the bottom floor, must have been horrendous. So how do you survive such a lockdown? One of the things we can see, first of all, in this story is how Noah trusted that he was exactly where he was meant to be. And God was in that with them. Noah and his family were not forgotten. Sometimes when we're going through something difficult and we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, it's easy to believe we've been forgotten and God is absent. He turned his back or walked away or forgot to turn up or something. And it can be hard sometimes to even see God's hand in our current circumstances, let alone believe that he sees us. But God does not forget his people. In Genesis, Genesis 8, 1, it says, God remembered Noah. Likewise, friends, you are always on his mind. Not Georgia, not Friday, not gentle, but you are always on his mind. Secondly, Noah was always looking for evidence of God's plan. Do we ever do this? Intentionally look around for evidence of God's plan. Noah opened a window after the rain stopped and looked outside. And in verse 11, it tells us that the dove that he released returned with a fresh olive leaf. An indicator, a sign that things were changing. In this small thing, it encouraged Noah to know that even if he couldn't see what God was doing, it can be all the small things that can give you a glimpse into the bigger picture of what God is doing. God is at work anyway, outside this bubble we call the pandemic or lockdown. And in it. So I want to encourage you today, friends, to look for those small moments when you can see God is doing something. Take the time to open a window in the dark place that you might be in at the moment and ask God to let you see that he is actually at work, even if all you can see is deep water around you. Eventually, that door that God had shut so definitely and permanently now opened. And Noah and his kids began a new chapter of blessing, fruitfulness and opportunity. Friends, can you dare to believe that God will open a door for you, a place, a space for you to be a blessing? I'm glad that Andrew reminded us again that one thing that doesn't change in whatever space we're in is prayer. Prayer is always there. It operates. It achieves in whatever space we are in. 
But God will open a door, or he has opened a door, and it's your opportunity and my opportunity to step through that door over and over again and be a blessing to others and be a part of the solution to the problems that our society face. It might be a new opportunity that has never occurred to you before. It isn't often about going back, but looking forward. So if you think, I wish I could be back there doing whatever. Uh -uh. Don't talk like that. What we need to be thinking is, what has God ready for me further down the track? What can he do right now in this space where I am? As they left the ark, balanced on the top of Mount Ararat, they witnessed a rainbow. God said, it is written, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. Friends, here's where we learn the truth about the rainbow. It's not a symbol signifying diversity, but rather this one eternal truth. God's promises are certain. In a few minutes, the team is going to be singing a song called Do It Again. It says in this chorus, Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. And the next verse says, I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass. My heart will sing your praise again. Do you remember anything of God's blessing from your past? Have you forgotten something that was monumentally blessing to you and good and wholesome and helpful? After the Israelites in later years pulled off an upset victory over the Philistines, the prophet Samuel built an altar and named it Ebenezer. The altar was a way of saying to the people, the God who did it before can do it again. We're only human. We all need Ebenezer's. Reminders that the God who got us here will get us there. The God who did this will do that. And Ebenezer is a way of recognizing and celebrating the success God has given us along the way in pursuing our dream. I believe it's a time for us now, more than ever, to trust God with our lives and what we do and what he has for our future. If there is nothing else you take from this today, I encourage you to take hold of these truths. One, God has not forgotten you. He sees you and knows your frustration, your hurts and challenges. He remembers you just as he said he remembered Noah. Secondly, look for the small thing where you can see evidence that God is at work. Do that today. And thirdly, step out under God's hand of blessing and flourish where he has placed you right now. In other words, bloom where you're planted. You might not like where you're planted right now, but you can bloom right there. There's no reason why not.
So to summarize, I want to ask or leave with you two questions. Are you trusting God's promises for the long term? And secondly, do you intentionally look for evidence of God's hand in your circumstances? There's going to be a prayer put up on the screen here, and I want you to read this carefully. Think through its implications. Let me read it to you. Jesus, help me reject the lies of the enemy. Jesus, help me overcome my anxious heart. Jesus, help me trust that you are in control. Jesus, help me believe that the spirit who raised you from the dead dwells in me. Amen. So friends, this day, 22nd of August, 2021, how can we not be grateful when we realize that the cross on Calvary is God's permanently open door into a better future for all who believe? Nobody has to be banging on a closed door anymore, hoping it will open. In fact, Revelation 3.8 tells us, and God is saying this, I have placed before you an open door which no one can shut. Grace opened the door. Faith sees it. So here's a new opportunity for you today to acknowledge God's goodness in the past and see a future that still exists for you and for me to be a part of his plan to make a lockdown world a much better place in Jesus' name. God bless you each.